All right, good morning. Well, as I shared already before we even did our prayer time about the pineapple, something I ran across this week, and again on Thursday, Brother Joe let me know that he asked if I would fill in this week, and I said, always an opportunity to open the Word with my brothers and sisters, but as I was uh, working uh, on, on a message on what to share with you, I found this little short, it's not really a poem, an inmate who's in uh, Virginia serving time at the Henrico Regional Jail East. His name is Timothy, and he wrote this, and I thought it was a good reminder. It's entitled, Thank You. Thank you, God, for blessing me with a mouth to pray and eyes to see. Ears to listen and hands that are giving. Thank you, God, for making life worth living. I thought, how can we add to that? And I just wanted to share that with you as an encouragement. Well, meditation is defined as a practice where an individual uses a technique such as mindfulness or focusing the mind on a particular object thought, or activity. Meditation implies a definite focus on one's thoughts on something so as to understand it deeply. In the Old Testament, the word meditate means to take to heart, to consider, devise, or whisper, pictured as a student muttering or softly speaking words to himself as he considers a subject or passage he's trying to memorize and understand. In the New Testament, meditation means to consider, think, remember, looking, to set your mind on. There is always an object or focus of the meditation. Noah Webster, in his original 1828 edition, defines meditation as to dwell or contemplate, study, to turn or revolve any subject in the mind, and adds a quote from Psalm 1, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. J.I. Packer defines biblical meditation from his book, Knowing God. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind, thinking over, dwelling on, and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. What do we meditate and dwell on on a daily basis? Like what? Work concerns, we hear that. Family issues, financial questions, personal conflicts. What are some other things we meditate on when we just heard all these definitions? Anything else? What do we think on? World situation. Okay, all right. Anything else? Nobody else thinks? We meditate. We, we really do, don't we? Prayer? Okay, that's one thing we should meditate on. But what are some things that kind of sneak in when we're not careful, we're not letting God guard it from coming into our minds and thinking? We don't ever worry about anything, do we? 
are anxious. Be anxious for nothing. We, we take that to heart, so we never are anxious about anything. What about the weather? What about the COVID? What about, as was uh, mentioned by Pastor Joe this morning, some of the political things going on? All these kind of things. Do we think, how many like to watch the news 24-7? Wow. I go about five minutes. And I got to look for something more calming myself. What, what is it? Tom and Jerry? Okay, well, that's, that's an option. So there's a lot of things from day to day that sneak into our minds that we meditate on. But God's Word gives us a number of things that we should focus on. And this has been brought up from time to time. But join me in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And there we have a nice, great list to start to focus on, to meditate on certain things that bring honor and glory to God when we do. Philippians 4.8, and it's kind of the end of a section, but I believe these things, if we focus on them, we will have a, a stronger faith, we will have a, a stronger focus on turning to God and His Word right away in our lives when other things tend to dominate our thinking. But Philippians 4.8 gives us that list of things we should consider and meditate upon. Let's uh, read verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. And even with all the chaos going on, all the uncertain things, Lord, we know you are always with us. You saved us. You keep us in your mighty right hand. And I pray this morning as we look at this list in Philippians 4.8, your word, that we would begin to, to focus heavily on this list as a start of things that we should Dwell on because, Lord, we need your peace. There's a war going on. And, Father, we can't face Satan and his army on our own. We need you, Lord. We need you to guide our steps. We need you to, to follow you, Lord, because we get sidetracked so easy. And, Lord, in all the chaos going on, even now in our world around us, with the COVID and everything else, Lord, we don't want to be anxious. We, we want your peace. And Lord, may we be ready in a moment's notice if you take us home. We don't know how long we have on this earth, only you do. But Lord, may we walk every day, every step, living it for you because it's a gift. And I pray as we look at this list, Lord, in Philippians 4.8, Guide our thoughts. Help us to apply your word to our daily lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God's word, again, gives us quite a number here in chapter 4, verse 8. And before we look at that verse in detail, we need to kind of know what was going on 
ahead of time here in those earlier verses. Ones that have been shared, ones that have been taught many times, beginning of verse 4, we're reminded, rejoice in the Lord half the time. Always. always. And always means always. And then he says it again. Again I will say rejoice. Why do we need to hear that again? Is it easy? Pardon? To remind us, is it easy to rejoice in every day? Some days we get up, and as I shared last week, sometimes what uh, everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And we're reminded of that when we get up in the morning. Maybe I'm the only one. Anyone else? You don't have to raise your hand. I think we all do. And as we get older, it uh, sometimes can be deeper uh, and more achy. But with God's help, we get up and we keep going and serving Him. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. We get the impact of that. The Lord is where? He's near. What does that mean? He's here. He's with us every step of the way. He never will leave us. He will never forsake us. And then we get to verse 6. Very well known. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with, and we forget this sometimes, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think we'd all agree this morning, even in our prayer time that we had in our small groups, we need God's peace. Everything's breaking loose. But you know, when everything breaks loose, we get to see God firsthand working, don't we? If everything always went smooth, how often would we forget how we need the Lord? But when things break loose, we say, Lord, I need your help. Again, I'm reminded of Nehemiah as he was heading up, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, he was getting so inundated with, with people spreading rumors and people laughing at him and mocking him. Finally, some, at some point, he, he put his hands up in the air and he said, Help me, Lord. I can't do it. The Lord says, Good, you've learned that. You can't do it. We can't do it on our own. It only takes God's help to get us through. Sometimes the day, sometimes the minute. Amen? You ever had a day it didn't seem to end? Those uh, come around once in a while, don't they? Sometimes more often than, than they don't. But God is always walking with us. And if we have to grip God's hand a little tighter, so be it. He can take it. And He won't let go of us. was reminded of all the things that we need to be focusing on and I ran across this was written by Maria she's uh, serving at the Lowell Correctional Facility in Ocala she's serving time there here's what she shares with us our life is a journey there are right and wrong turns we all make mistakes that's how we learn somewhere on our journey we lost our way coming to prison was our price to pay Now we are here thinking about our past, thinking how we could change and make time go fast. 
We're here for a reason, though we might not understand. God's giving us what we ask. He's giving us a helping hand. Whether we take it or not, only we can decide. We are His children. He won't give up without a fight. If you live in Him, He'll always be there for you. No matter your situation, He'll always see you through. If you stop and listen to what He has to say, your direction will change. He will lead your way. If you accept Him today, your life He will redeem. He will clean your soul and forgive all your sins. So if your burden is heavy or you trudge a rocky road, get on your knees and ask Him. He will lighten your load. Doesn't He do that every day when we're walking with Him? Now we get to the list. And we got a list say, well, is this it? No, this is a good start. To have God's peace, we need to be doing what verse 8 tells us. It says, finally, and it says, brothers and sisters, brethren, whatever is true is the first on our list. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Mark 7.20, And he, Jesus, said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of his heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. So those are things that can defile. Now we need to look at what should we concentrate on? What should we meditate on? And that first item, whatever things are true. True in character as God's Word is true. While human truth can destroy God's peace in our lives. Too often we focus on man's wisdom over the truth of God's Word. God's Word is totally true. It's infallible and errant. While man's truth is not. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And all this chaos is going on. We need to hang on to God's word. We need to study it. We need to meditate upon it. We need to look to it. Instead of our last resource, it needs to be our first. That's what God wants us to do. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Does God know anything false? He's totally true. We live in a world where, and I've heard this said, this is a quote, if I see it on the internet, it must be true. I kind of disagree with that because I've seen a few things not true. But God's Word is true. And we can depend on it. Pastor John MacArthur points out, thinking of whatever is true means reading, analyzing, and meditating on the Word of God. It takes time. But it's worth it, isn't it? I had inmates at Pinellas County Jail. Well, God gave me an opportunity to serve there. And sharing God's Word. But one thing, and Doug knows this too, one thing we shared in the Bible studies with them, how important it is to memorize God's Word. 
And why do you think that's important? We open it on Sunday, isn't that good enough? Why should we memorize Scripture? Pardon? Draw on it. When, when Satan or one of the demons comes and is attacking us, we can't say, oh, wait a minute, let me look in my concordance here for a verse to battle. We need it here so we have it. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. And there's many, many verses, whatever we're facing, that address what we're facing with an answer. And if we have it up here, we can use it at a moment's notice. We don't have a lot of warnings sometimes when the attacks come, do we? They come sometimes in multitudes. But when God, when the Holy Spirit can bring it to our mind to use, it's good to memorize Scripture. Commentator Warren Worsby shares, The Holy Spirit controls our minds through truth. He helps us with it. God doesn't say, well, do this, memorize this, or apply this. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to apply it. And when we apply it, the next time we face something again, what are we likely to do? We draw on that what God has done in the past in helping us through His Word will help us in that situation. How many times did David look at that? as he was being pursued by Saul, who wanted to kill him. The devil tries to control us, not through truth, but through lies. And Satan doesn't just say, God's a liar. He takes the word, and then he adds something. But this isn't enough. God's word isn't enough. Or God might have helped you then, but he's not going to help you now. He tries to get doubts in our minds, doesn't he? And as soon as we get to that and we start wondering, and then we're defeated. God says, believe my word, apply it, memorize it, meditate upon it. One commentator, Dan Koresh, tells us, the word true can refer to the scriptural in contrast to the human. That is, what God has said in opposition to what men have to say. In other words, it contrasts God's word with man's. God's peace hinges on his wisdom and not on man's. We are to focus, meditate, concentrate on the truth of God's word over man's word. And do they ever conflict? I think we're seeing that more and more in the world around us. And the persecution is starting. And will it continue? Yes. But I think the more the persecution continues in America, the more we should say, Lord, maybe today. Amen? Maybe the rapture will come today. Or maybe you'll take me home today. But while we're here on this earth, we have to follow His Word so that we can share, so others can see a glimpse of Jesus in us. Something in us that they will want to know more. And then we can share Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. Second on this list, whatever things are noble or honorable or dignified or worthy of respect. That's quite a list. Noble, honorable, dignified, worthy of respect. John MacArthur shares, believers must not think on what is trivial, temporal, mundane, common, and earthly, but rather on what is heavenly 
and so worthy of awe, adoration, and praise. Honorable speaks of something that reflects dignity and majesty. It's that characteristic of a person that calls for reverence and respect. It would include things like, and I believe it or not, I was talking to some young soldiers at one time, and I asked several of them, what does integrity mean? You know, of the five that I asked, not a one knew. What is integrity? What does that mean? Does it, do any of us know what it means? What is it? Having a standard that you believe in and you're willing to live and die by. Okay, very good. Yes, when the boss leaves the room, what goes on? Honesty, all part of it. All part of it. Integrity. It's easy to compromise, isn't it? Say, well, everybody else is doing it or they got away with it. So it must be okay. No, it's not. Because God sees everything we do. Everything that we do and everything we think And I praise God, Satan doesn't know what we're thinking, but God does. One commentator shares, living the Christian life is serious business. Yet many of us treat it lightly, that it calls for denying ourselves and taking up our crosses daily means nothing. Having lost the seriousness characteristic of a godly life, we live as strangers to God's peace. We need to ask ourselves, do others see things in our lives that are noble and honorable and dignified and worthy of respect or not? And if not, why not? We have a choice every day. Every situation we face, we have a choice, don't we? Trust God, trust ourselves. Trust the internet, trust God's word. (laughs) So we move on. Next we have whatever things are just. Whatever things are just. It describes whatever is in perfect harmony with God's unchanging standard, just like integrity. God sees everything. You can't hide anything from Him. Everything that is done in darkness is, is light to God. He sees it all. Psalm 139 is a good reminder of that. We aren't meditating on things that are right if we regard ourselves as, as better than others. And we're like the Pharisee and the publican, and because of our pride, we become strangers to God's peace. We aren't meditating on things that are, that are right or just if we respond defensively when we are embracing thoughts of bitterness and resentment and still feel we are right not until our thoughts are in harmony with God's righteousness, we'll never know His peace. We aren't meditating on things that are right if we refuse to give up our rights and by insisting on our rights, we sacrifice our rights to His peace. We ever act like a child? I know nobody else ever does that, but we pray about something, God doesn't answer it the way we said, and we just... Kind of spiritually, we put our hands across like this. And we might say something real inspirational like, I'm going to hold my breath until I get my way. Do we ever do that? I'm, I'm sure nobody does. But I've heard of that. And we actually had one son who, when he didn't get his way while he was growing up, he'd hold his breath. And so we 
thought, wow, what are we doing wrong here? Something's not going right. And you know what our doctor said? Let him hold his breath. He'll pass out and he won't do it again. (laughs) And you know what happened? He held his breath. He passed out and he didn't do it again. (laughs) We need to go to the Lord all the time and we need to realize that the acronym, is it acronym or what is it? Joy, Jesus, others, you. Where are we? We're not first. This is not Y-O-J. J-O-Y. When we have Jesus first in our lives, everything else will fall into place. Others will come before ourselves. But too often we get sidetracked. We need to meditate on things that are righteous. Things like, as was mentioned earlier, prayer. Pray without ceasing. Have a mind of prayer that we communicate with God in a moment if we need to. And we need to quite often. I know I do. We need to encourage one another when it's called today. Why? Because tomorrow we could be with the Lord and our opportunity to encourage each other is done here on this earth. So we need to encourage each other. I've asked this before. Anybody get too much encouragement? Because we don't want to bother you with encouragement. Too too much? Okay, I, I see everybody could use maybe a word here and there. We all can, can't we? And we can all give it. We need to meditate on things that are righteous before God and that bring glory to Him. I remember inmates at Pinellas County Jail, they'd often comment. They would say things, Chaplain, I want to make Jesus proud. I've lived a shameful life. I've done things wrong, but I want to make him proud. And I said, be in his word. Study it. Memorize it. Walk with him. When you wake up in the morning saying, Lord, take my hand. I'm struggling to get up today, but I need you. I need you to help me up spiritually to walk with you. And you know what Jesus does every time? He doesn't say, don't bother me. That's one day too much, John. You're going to stumble around today on your own. No, He's there with us. And we need to recognize that we need to lean on Him. His standards are in God's Word. And He guides us through His Spirit, showing what a righteous life needs to be in an unrighteous world. The next list, it instructs us to meditate on whatever things are pure. Whatever things are pure. This speaks of things that are holy, morally clean and undefiled. 1 John 3.3 tells us, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The world around us constantly lures the temptation of immorality before us. Many, many warnings in Scripture Like in Ephesians 4.17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you walk no longer as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their hearts. One Greek commentator shares, Pure refers to essence. A thing is pure when it is what it should be, when it is free from everything 
which can take away from what it is. For example, vanilla is pure when containing nothing but vanilla. To be pure, our thoughts need to be free from all that centers on self. The actions resulting from impure thoughts cannot be pure. What in the world tempts us to be immoral and impure? Is there any of that around in the world? What are some things? Nobody watches TV commercials? No. No. Sin lives within us. Every so often you hear on the news uh, about uh, pornography being expanded where they've had raids and they, they've had to arrest a number of people that were looking on sites on the internet. It's all around us, isn't it? But God says, be pure. Why? Because he's going to help us to be pure. That's not a natural thing. It's only with God's help that we can be pure. We must remember God is light and in him there is how much darkness? None at all. We must battle our thought life because temptations are around us all the time. A warning against impurity is found in 1 John 1.7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So to walk with God, God helps us to do that, to remain pure. Next, we're told to meditate on whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are lovely. And this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. And it can mean sweet, gracious, beautiful, attractive, generous, or patient. Whatever is pleasing to God, we as believers should focus on. God's peace is lovely, isn't it? Can man understand it? One inmate asked me, I remember at the jail, he said, how do I know if I have God's peace? I said, well, you'll, you'll know if you have it and you know if you don't. That's the best way to explain it because it's supernatural. It's from God. It's something that God places in our hearts when the world says, I don't see how you can have it. And yet it's there. Here's a question. When we enter a room, do others seek to leave? Or are they glad you showed up? Think on that. In a spiritual sense, we should light up the room when we are there and show the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. God puts us at certain jobs, certain neighborhoods, and in certain families for a reason. God never makes a mistake, does He? Not one time does He make a mistake. Has God ever taken off guard? Oh my, I'm going to have to change his plan for that life. No, he doesn't. Because he's got a perfect plan for us. And so that's why we trust him. Do our lives daily portray we're concentrating on things that are lovely, attractive, and gracious. We move on. Whatever things are of good report or good repute. This word is only used here in the New Testament. And describes what is highly regarded or well thought of. Warren Worsby says, Of good report means worth talking about. 
appealing. Our thoughts should focus on a life that is of good report even before unbelievers. With our neighbors, keeping up with that dollar a week, trimming that hedge that borders the neighbor's lawn, helping our neighbors when one of their trees falls on our fence due to heavy rain or a hurricane. Lots of ways, aren't there? One challenging part of being in the military was every so often, about every five to ten years, they do an investigation to see if you could keep your secret or super secret clearance. And you know what they did? Tell us your neighbors. Oh, boy. Remember how we used to know our neighbors so well? I hope we still do to some point. But they're going to go ask neighbors, how is he at a neighbor? That dollar weed spreading over there, you're not doing a thing about it? We're a testimony whether we want to be or not to our neighbors. And that's a challenge at times. Even when their dollar weed's coming over on our side. What are we doing? How are we acting? Are that hedge that borders the neighbor's lawn and it's out of control and saying, well, he should do it. It's two-thirds on his side. Only a third on mine. We just go out and do it. I still remember in our neighborhood having the opportunity. This was in, I think, 2004. Is that when we had a bunch of hurricanes come through? And our final hurricane came through, and I think it just sat, and we got, it seemed like, 20 inches of rain. And these oak trees started to fall over. And I remember when it finally passed, in the middle of the road, there were seven or eight we, went, we came out to the middle of the road with our chainsaws. We said, what do we need to clear? That's not any reflection on me because there were seven other neighbors I didn't know till then, but we teamed together to say, okay, let's take care of this. And so we put our chainsaws to the test to help each other. That's how we should be doing in God's family. When somebody goes through a hurricane, instead of going over and looking at them and saying, wow, too bad, and walking away, we should be over there and saying, I got my spiritual chainsaw. I'm here with you, brother. What can I do? When God prompts us to do it, we need to do it. Time's short. We don't know when our time on this earth will be done. The final on this list to meditate on Very simply, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, anything, wow, worthy of praise, dwell in these things. If there's anything there. John MacArthur says, the key to godly living is godly thinking. I'm thinking of this song, and I don't know if you all know it. You don't have to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But some of the words are... A good reminder, it's called confidence. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse because broken people are exactly who you use. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. You took a shepherd boy and made him a king, so I'm going to trust you and give you everything. I'll be a conqueror because you fight for me. I'll be a champion claiming your victory. 
Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. We need that, don't we? We need the faith. We need to be looking to the Lord. He will give it to us if we just look to Him. Warren Worsby reminds us, if it has virtue, it will motivate us to do better. If it has praise, it is worth commending to others. No Christian can afford to waste mind power on thoughts that tear him down or that would tear others down if these thoughts were shared. To enjoy God's peace, we must dwell on praiseworthy thoughts about others. Always look for the best in others. Instead of saying, well, they should have done this, no. Can I come alongside and help you? Instead of saying, wow, they made a huge mistake, saying, how can I help you get through this? I want to put my arm around you and exhort you and encourage you in the Lord because we need it and we're all going to have times where we need that from our brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4.23 records, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And it's shared with inmates at Pinellas County Jail. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again. Every day may others see a glimpse of Jesus in us. Something. They say, what's the difference? And we say, it's Him. It's all Him. I'm here today because of Him. What should the world see in us that results in praise? Is there anything when they look at us, they should say, I see something. I see this. Where's that from? Because it's not from that old sin nature, is it? It's from the Lord. What are some things that they can see in us? Or do they see anything in us? Is there anything? Love? Generosity? Peace? Care? Hope. Well, that's the one thing I remember off. So many times, and Doug will agree with this too, to give the inmates some hope that these bars aren't forever. God is with them. God can change their lives, and He will. They put your faith in Him and Him alone. And He does. I don't know how many times we would have a service, Doug, remember? And we'd hear praises from the inmates who are in the jail. And we were uplifted. More blessed than we could ever bless them. But that's all God's work. That's Him. And that's what we're to be doing. That's why we need to concentrate on these things. You say, well, that's quite a list. Yes, it is. But it's a start. If we're to have God's peace in our lives, we will be concentrating on these things in verse 8. We will make it a part of our daily practice. And if we do, with God's help, others will see that Jesus is alive because he sees a glimpse of Jesus in us. And hopefully that glimpse is getting stronger and stronger. We need to refocus on these things and don't let the world and Satan's army take away God's peace in our lives. Because I I don't know about you, but I need it. And I need it every day. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for 
this reminder in Philippians 4.8. It's quite a list. We can't do it on our own, Lord. But we desperately need your peace. The world's in turmoil all around us. Every day gets more intense. But God, you're on the throne. You're upholding us with your mighty right hand. And praise God, you saved us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But by your grace, we're your sons and daughters. We want to follow you, Lord. We want to live for you. Help us this coming week to bring glory and honor to you in every way and help us to focus on the things we need to be focusing on. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.